0: But you, you were originally right behind him. Dead you?
1: behind Clint Eastwood's head. His head was right there. I could have thumped him on the ear just like that. <laughs> and when he turned around. That would have
0: been the last thing you ever did. He turned around as a jewel. When he
1: turned around and squinted at me, I'd say, Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead. Make my day.
2: Told
3: me I had a phone. Hey, welcome to another episode of Something in the Water. I'm Sean Clark.
1: I'm Uncle Dave Griffin. And tonight we have with us as our guest my son, my natural born, ever loving son. Mm-hmm. This is Connor Griffin. Howdy and uh also the drummer for the pine box dwellers he's drummer for the pine box dwellers he's the uh, namesake of uh graham parsons we named him me and his mama named him after ingram cecil connor Third, who ended up being graham parsons of uh cosmic american music fame uh another way cross boy uh we
3: nicknamed him Coon Dog, which is actually Grand Parson's dad's name, but we didn't name him. We didn't call him that because of that, but we we're like hitting that weird. We we're calling <laughs> you that. And you're, na- you're named after is what it is.
1: is. It is. It's, it's but, cosmic happenings. We probably should stop doing that. <laughs> <laughs> I was reading. Uh, I got a big old thick book at, at home that I, that I read. One short story of O. Henry per day. Yeah, it's like my daily devotional, I guess, but it's they're so entertaining. O. Henry, the old uh, uh, short story writer uh, from, uh, I think, the 20s or 30s. Might have been even earlier than that. Wrote The Gift of the Magi. That was the one that I was first introduced to in mm-hmm. high school English, I think. But uh, I probably slept through that. I uh, read one. One of his short stories about a month ago had a uh, character in there named Coon Coonrod, Coonrod Standifer. We also call him that. <laughs> that's Coon the first
0: God. I've heard of it. But hey, if the shoe fits, <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, oh, or, or whatever. Um, <laughs> I told you to clean your room up before we left the house. Well, oh, that's right. Uh, Yes. This is a professional setting now. Uh, <laughs> this um, this band that uh, that you two are in called the Pine Box Dwellers. It has seen its share of uh, ins and outs and comes and goings. Yeah. And uh, right fun. now, it's interesting to me uh, that uh, y'all are a duo right now, and sometimes trio but yeah. uh we're, how's that working out
3: it's going pretty good yeah um playing as much as we can and you know we can be a duo and we could be acoustic in cajon or electric and drum kit and we can also have guests when we feel like it so right
1: and, and you already you know even in the band days when it was four piece band i mean we y'all through. were the primary singers mm-hmm the two of y'all, Connor's always harmonizing with you and doing some lead vocals himself. But so the, the vocals are not lost at all. I mean, know.
3: Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm digging it because yeah,
1: you know we're real tight together and and there's more money. Yeah, there's more <laughs> yeah, money to go yeah, around. True. <laughs> um, yeah, well, more that's leg cool.
3: room. It's all about the leg room. <laughs> mm-hmm. hey, yeah. More space in the
1: van. more
3: space to stretch your legs well but us we we three including uh caution light justin are got a project going on of songs that me and dave have been writing together over the years Mm we've got got quite a few we'll get together and write them and i'll go home and not remember anything and dave writes everything down and has all the keys and the chords and the the lyrics and the the date and the time and the
1: right i'm 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 just Timekeeper. i'm glad i'm the, like, <laughs> I think you're right. i'm just anal that way yeah <laughs> but uh um and we've also uh connor actually uh was writing a song the other day that he brought in yeah. to mm, yeah. uh, y'all and you you'd cut a little uh two, two a little <laughs> two part harmony uh, demo of, of the chorus, which was all you had initially. Yeah, uh, It's uh, very cool. Very cool sound in and in a, a great old classic Americana murder ballad type <laughs> song, you know, idea, song mm-hmm. plot. Mm-hmm. But uh, that one could wind up on the yeah. CD as well. So it's Waycross Stagecoach is what we're calling it. And uh, it's not necessarily. I don't know if you call that a band name or just a a thing. You know. Yeah. It's. Uh, I think. It's an we, entity. Yeah. An entity. Right. Yeah. But it I don't have to be anything. Who came up with that? Was that you?
3: I, I came up with the title,
1: but yeah, we.
3: I'm trying to bounce bouncing we were, ideas we were, off
1: Ian. Right, Ian. We were doing this. this is way back. This before. was way back in probably oh, okay. uh, before 2010, even that you you came up and said. We, if we could call a traveling an entourage yeah. of musicians. Uh, Musician from Wake and It'd it be like a change, traveling medicine show. It could change, kind of like Flying Burrito yeah, Brothers when right. Ian came up with the Flying Burrito Brothers mm-hmm. name. Ian Dunlop, who played the International Submarine Band, I think he may have came up with that name too. Yeah. Uh Ian uh was the bass player in Graham Parsons' uh, early band. Uh when they moved out to California, he came up with the idea of flying burrito brothers. But I think Ian was in New York when he had, he came up with that. He probably was. But, uh, and then it definitely applied by the time they yeah. got to Southern California with all the uh, Spanish influence over there. Yeah. Burritos and such. But, uh, Back in the late 60s, early 70s, there was a lot of bands, you know, going on like Strawberry Alarm Clock, Mm -hmm. Grand Funk Railroad, Chicago Transit Authority, Dick's Chocolate Headband or whatever, you know, Uh, these long, long names, Pacific Gas and Electric Company, you know, (laughs) Uh, and so. Ian fell right in with that, and he came. Up and said, How about the Flying Burrito Brothers? Yeah. <laughs> and they used that uh, Delaney and Bonnie were parts of it. They would just jam under that name wherever in and around Los Angeles, and and the 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 musicians would come and go. It's like Bobby Keys. Jesse, Ed, Davis, Delaney, I and Bonnie, Leon, Russell—I
3: didn't know that part. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was yeah. just like a, it was a just rotating a, cast. A,
1: a rotating cast of of whoever was hanging out in Los Angeles. You that's know, a cool time. idea. But that's that's what we were talking mm-hmm. about, and you came up with the name, which I, th- I always thought was great.
3: I think I came up with it when we were trying to come up with the Newfanglers. Possible. I think that's we were tossing that around. When you come up with the Newfanglers, I was, that was just like That's I always—I've
1: always loved that. That just the name Wakecross Stagecoach. To me, it just it goes back to my old uh, childhood of watching all them cowboy shows on black and white television. Mm-hmm. Uh, that stagecoach in—it's in, like a uh, cowboy
3: TV show, like yeah, what variety shows. And
1: I don't called? know why. I, well, I do know why because I saw. Enough uh, real color pictures or paintings or something, but stagecoaches for the most part were red. They were like fire engine red, you know. Yeah, the old stagecoach. And I just, I just love that image. Mm-hmm. I love the image of a stagecoach. But we're talking about—that's how I envision it. You know, it's an album, Gravy Train. It's an album called Waycross Stagecoach and made up of. Songs from three different people, mm-hmm. you know, co written.
3: Kind of the same principle as Newfanglers. A little.
1: It is. It yeah. is. And, and we'll probably well, end yeah, up yeah. having
3: guest musicians pl- yeah. fill out the spots anyway, just like the Newfanglers. I was thinking about that too.
1: Well, when Sean mentions Newfanglers, I know that we've we've talked about delved them. into that in the, on past podcasts, but uh, just to the Newfanglers refresh. was a. Uh, was a project, project, a songwriting project mainly that came about in two thousand three, and uh, it was based on a true story that happened in South Georgia back in the sixties, probably seventies, eighties, and uh, it involved uh, like uh, two families feuding. It involved uh, the Intermarriage between the two families, like a Romeo Juliet kind of a thing. Redneck Romeo and Juliet. Redneck Romeo and Juliet kind of Southern Gothic Shakespeare, and uh, there was uh, ass whippings and murder and uh, (laughs) revenge and all this stuff. Uh, Wife beaten. Wife beaten. That's another facet fascinating facet and uh it was a
3: concept album
1: yeah and uh pink floyd
3: meets hank williams on a dirt road and fight it out
1: mm-hmm. that's what you come up with yeah dark side of the moon pie <laughs> yeah but uh the newfanglers and the album uh, we recorded it using a lot of waycross and area musicians vocalists uh Talents, and uh, the album was released in about 2007 and uh, has uh, made its way uh, a long ways from here. I mean, there's there's a small group of hardcore fans. Uh, yeah. It's called The Newfanglers, um, Blood in the Pines, The Story of Hollis Shepard. Yeah. and was, we
3: didn't have, ever have a label or anything we were just put putting it out independently so, yeah so the fact yeah, that it just, went anywhere is right, cool. You know? right
1: a uh, friend of ours who wrote co-wrote one of the songs on there Ty Manning he's an art teacher in uh, uh, Madison, Georgia And uh he had gone out on a, a little vacation to Portland, Oregon and was walking the streets of Portland, Oregon up there in the cold log logging country and uh he had a newfangler's t-shirt on and he gets stopped on the street by somebody who says oh man i love that band <laughs> you know he's said yeah. and uh wow. he said he's ty said the hair stood up on his arms when that happened you know so that was pretty cool wow and uh another guy who who had a big interest in it was a photographer in nashville and he he uh, had me mail him several dozens of copies, and he was putting them in the hands of, of uh, record producers, movie uh, produce directors mm-hmm. and anybody in his circle of, of creative people. and he just try, he was uh, just trying to get it uh, maybe picked up. You know, as as the idea of uh, of a screenplay, it'll be awesome. And and Connor yeah. now, this kind of ties in with all of that. But uh, Connor went off to uh, University of Georgia a few years ago and was uh, majoring in drama. And uh, bad mistake. Yeah, no, no it was no, no, and uh, and while you were up there. Um, you started writing a, uh, did you call it a screenplay or a stage? Well, well it started out as a uh, a stage production, stage basically. Stage production. And. Uh, of the Newfangler's Blood in the Pines story. story. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> it was real life. It was a concept album. And then in Connor's hands, it started being a stage play. Is that what you call it?
0: Right. But uh, thinking about uh, morphing that into more of a screenplay, just yeah. as is right now. Because really, we don't have the resources down here, I don't think, to uh, necessarily stage it.
1: I don't know. Maybe. No, I just you heard know. Robert Nero was well, yeah. in town. <laughs> there you go.
3: Yeah, we hear tell of a movie being filmed down here wash me in the river wash me there's something in
1: the water <laughs> something it's called <laughs> wash me in the water something in the river yeah <laughs> it's called <laughs> and robert de niro and john malkovich are the uh the starring the, the lead starring, roles the lead roles so it sounds like it'd be a good one mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean, we just found out about it. I think Connor may have known about it because of his acting radar. <laughs> yeah, I messaged the
0: uh, person in charge of casting just to you know see what that was all about. And when was this? Uh, about you know about a week ago. Oh, okay. Uh, so what
1: well, did they have to say? Nothing. Well, nothing back. yet. Nothing they yet. Hadn't got back. Hmm yeah usually and it may be because this is a pandemic going on but uh usually you'll get uh calls for extras that'll go out all over the internet you know and uh mm-hmm. and you told when you were at, still at UGA you emailed mm-hmm. me and mom and said hey y'all might be interested in this it's a Clint Eastwood movie yeah called the mule is going to be filmed in Augusta. And I looked at that and said, yeah, that could be fun. You know, and they were just said, had different extras they were looking for. And, uh, so you, you fill out this little personal history thing. And then you take two photos, one, Chest and up and one chest waist down. and up, <laughs> waist down, <laughs> waist down. No, we want to see you. That's a very
0: different kind of uh, <laughs> turn around yeah. and shake. that. Oh,
1: <laughs> 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 uh, but uh, you got it. You got. I it. ended up getting chosen for the mule, and uh, that's uh-uh. that was a that was a fun day. Now I went in the movies and saw that, and I was like, hey. There I am, right there. There he goes. Uh, I'm right under the chrysanthemum, in in a funeral scene. I'm sitting in the church. But you you were originally right behind him. Dead behind Clint Eastwood's head. His head was right there. I could have thumped him on the ear just like that. (laughs) And when he turned around, that would have
0: been the last thing you ever did. (laughs) He turned around. When he
1: turned around and squinted at me, I'd say, "Go ahead, (laughs) go ahead, make my day." <laughs> and uh but you got two. You got moved. Well, two, two it pews was funny. Back. I was I was about five pews, and he was sitting on the front row, and I was about five pews back on his side initially. And I was sitting right here on the end of the pew, and this little ball-headed, bespectacled casting director or something kept walking up and down the aisles. Thinking. I could hear his the gears turning in his head. Finally he stopped at my pew and he taps me on the shoulder, he says, You sir, you ma'am, and you sir, come with me. Mm. And he started walking down towards Clint and I I got up out of the pew and just stood there and let the lady and the other guy get in front of me because I wanted I was strategically plotting where I was going to sit on that empty pew up there, mm-hmm. the second pew right behind Clint. And if I let them go in front of me, I'd wind up right behind him. So that's what I did. See. I wasn't <laughs> acting. I wasn't acting. Uh, so so we get down. He puts us on the second pew, and I guess because we fit, you know, where Uh, one of them was a black lady. And uh, so I guess w- the – the demographic shift that was a demographic shift and uh so here we are i'm dead behind him and i can't control my excitement i am so happy you know i said i'm thinking in my head i'm saying they'll never believe this back home mm-hmm. <laughs> wait till i tell gary you got, this yeah. you
3: got the grinning so much they said
1: all right you move <laughs> no i didn't have to i was i was acting then i was I was in control of my emotions. I was just sit, sitting there thinking, uh, I'm right behind that old Clint Eastwood's head right now. That and that's that's Josie Wells. That's Magnum P.I. I mean, Magnum, <laughs> Magnum Force. <laughs> that's Tom Selleck. That's the wrong one. Magnum Force. Uh, that's... Billy Bronco and uh, what about uh, any which the, way, but any Luce. which way, but what Luce, was his whatever name his name was. was. Balo, uh, he was the man with no name before he was any of it, and he would, before he was any of it, he was Rowdy Yates. Follow Beto, uh, Follow Beto. He was Rowdy Yates on Rowdy Yates. on the old cowboy TV show Rawhide. His first movie was the second.
3: Creature of the Black Lagoon. Creature of the Black Lagoon. And I, cool. it, it had a title, mm-hmm. different title. It wasn't Creature of the Black Lagoon 2, but mm-hmm. Return of the Creature or something. Yeah. He was a scientist mm-hmm. with, with wild mm-hmm. uh hair like James Dean.
1: Oh, it was just like this wall mountain of hair, you know, and What what year was that? Oh, around. probably 50s late 50s. He was too pretty for years. science. <laughs> <laughs> he was a he was a handsome devil and uh he was uh he epitomized uh the the macho movie star, you know. In fact, he was he was often uh chastised about his violent movies, you know. And, mm-hmm. Uh a little bit of he was squint- misogyny and everything.
3: They used to call him Squinton Tarantino. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah, I was just watching the Baba Waters interview with Clint, and uh, she asked him about the squint, and he said, it's because I can't, I can't take the bright lights and stuff. <laughs> he said, that's all it is, the squint. It ain't, there ain't yeah. nothing behind it at all. <laughs> Mama always told me honesty was the best policy.
3: Did she make him cry? <laughs> huh? Did she make him cry?
1: Who? Clint Eastwood. Did who make him cry? Barbara.
3: Barbara Barbara Walters? She makes everybody cry.
1: That's uh, her thing. No, she kept asking
3: him. <laughs> Do you remember the first time your mama hit you? <laughs>
1: <laughs> her thing, she kept going back to, she kept circling back to, why don't you think you're sexy? Oh. Do you think you're sexy? She thinks he's sexy. That's why yeah, she, she, kept she, that's right, she kept talking about it. I was already heard. That uh, people talk about him in 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 the earlier days, saying how imposing a figure he was. He's tall, very tall. And Hollywood, you know, and you make an entrance into a room, a restaurant, or whatever, and you're this tall, good-looking guy like that, you know. And it's instantly, you know, heads are turning and attention. Happens is, to
3: me all the time. <laughs> it's just
1: kind of, you feel the energy just getting sucked into that straight to that person Mm -hmm. out of the room and all i'm usually the shortest one but how do we get on this so (laughs) you were in a movie uh uh, that's right i was in the mule so
3: now you're right behind clint eastwood and then
1: yeah then the little casting director kept pacing up and down thinking and i i felt him right over my shoulder. And I was thinking in my head, I was thinking, get your ass away. Don't you, don't you do it. Don't you do it. And then he said, you, yes, sir, come with me. <laughs> so did you get a little out?
3: Clint, no.
1: I left. I, yeah. Clint. I, I was holding on to the, <laughs> the pew and they were dragging me away. Uh, but I had to leave the back of Clint's head behind and he put me right back where I started again. But I thought you were like just two pews behind him because you were. It was about three or four. You were. Uh, that was a small church.
3: Yeah, but you were. I mean, you were there in the shot. I seen you.
1: Yeah, and to- the camera was sitting uh like if this is the church congregation. Clint Eastwood's right in front of me, and we're looking at the pastor up there or uh, mm-hmm. the eulogist the camera was sitting right over the eulogist's shoulder and there was some floral displays and you can see creeping right over the lens out of focus. You can see a big old orange chrysanthemum or something there. And I'm dead under that orange chrysanthemum (laughs) in the background, in the background, you can see slightly out of focus, but you can tell it's me because, See this? I'm not wearing a hat tonight, folks. You can see that in the mule. <laughs> this right here. You can see coming to a theater near you. You know what well, just like, occurred to me this is This is a mule, but who's that jackass? <laughs> <laughs> oh. <man. laughs> so, we got off on uh the mule uh, talking about movies and movies and acting and stuff. Well, Connor uh, was the one that uh, sent us that email when you were up at college and mm-hmm. saying they're casting extras and all, but we never heard about this movie in Waycross now. I never heard a thing about it. It must be Y'all because a pandemic not. or something. Maybe they're not doing casting calls as, as much as, or just, it was probably just, the need that you sounds know? like a
3: fast train to COVID, yeah. casting calls, casting
1: yeah. calls. Yeah, will not you in come these out these days? You know, bring you COVID. Come on down, <laughs> or maybe the story itself didn't didn't call for a lot of you know. Could we be. need a hundred midgets. Yeah, <laughs> what's this? They're little people, Dave. They're the Wizard people. of Oz. It's called little people. You know? <laughs> you know, but that's that's the way they called them in nineteen
3: thirty nine. Address your uh, hate mail
1: to. Attention of David Griffin. <laughs> Don't. Uh, <laughs> no. yes, uh, this is, I was uh, doing a Hollywood. We need a thousand midgets. Have them here by noon. And uh, <laughs> um, so. Uh, so this will be our last episode. <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> How did uh, how did you get into acting? Tell the folks out there watching what what lit well, your fire. Well, it
0: all started when I was about eight years old, I reckon. Maybe even younger than that, but you were watching in the living room. You were watching an episode of uh, – no, you were watching Little Shop of Horrors. And I was, I guess – you said, feed me, see, <laughs> I just uh, hopped on in and watched it with you, and I thought, man, this looks pretty cool. I might want to do this one day. And uh, next thing I know, I'm playing percussion for the production of Little Shop of Horrors at the high school. Yeah. Uh. And
3: so that just... That was the next thing you knew? You was eight, and the next thing you knew was...
0: Next ass. thing I knew, I Did was
1: you in hit high your school, man. And, uh, they were oh, doing the that. rest of it's just all blurry. Yeah. The high school uh, drama club was doing a production of it, and you, oh, were, yeah. you were supplying the music. You were playing yeah. the
0: drums in it. Uh, not the drums. I was just auxiliary percussion, which okay. is a lot more fun, by the way. Oh, yeah.
1: You get to do the... The vibra and the cowbells,
0: and the, and the, and the agogos, yeah. and the bongos, <laughs> and the congas, and... And uh, But that's not how I got to the Cajon. That's another story. But anyhow, um, yeah, Little Shop, they did such a good job that I, I was watching, you know, you had to be in charge of watching your cues on stage. Mm-hmm. So I had to be familiar with uh, the story mm-hmm. and just watching it all unfold. I thought, you know, oh, I could do that.
3: You'll be on mm-hmm. the other side
0: yeah so and what uh, was your
1: first acting role
3: little shop of horrors
0: not a little shop of horrors uh there was a one act play we did in high school i was the art teacher mr grant and i had this line about bubble wrap
1: okay i think i something remember about, seeing that I yeah think i remember that wasn't there something about shoes
3: yeah shoes you know, along the highway shoes i remember likewise. he used to cry because you never would go to his plays. <laughs> i think i remember something about bubble wrap daddy daddy I, support,
1: I supported everything he ever did daddy
3: never loved me <laughs> yeah.
0: daddy never came to my high school plays, y'all
1: i never had time i son. didn't know i was it. always trying to make a living and uh you weren't you. there you weren't there i didn't even know i didn't even know you was acting well, I tell you, <laughs> I
3: and then that, uh I thought you was just being a smart ass. Next thing you know,
2: <laughs>
1: you, I guess you were about 13, uh, 13 or 14 when you that was a dark time. No, it was well, dark wait a period. minute now, you're talking about being in that high school play as your first acting role. Weren't you younger than that when you, oh, were in, yeah, Andy get getting a gun your that gun. was that was like, uh, well, I never yeah, counted you, that, but you were but only I suppose. about 12 maybe, Mhm. uh, that was let's that see, was a, uh Rich Theater. A Waycross area community theater production there, mm-hmm. the local theater local community theater type thing. And uh it was good. It was good, but you I remember you and that. The mm-hmm. one that scared the hell out of me though, was after high school or were you Yeah, it was after high school. About a year after high school, Dracula. You played Renfield. Mm-hmm. The yeah, crazy, that the
3: crazy. I don't I mean, think
1: he was playing. The insane dude Yeah, uh, in the story of Dracula. Dracula. I mean, to tell you something now, I sat in the local community theater in the audience. And, and, and you watched, watched
0: me try way too hard at that, didn't no,
1: you? No, no, I didn't. I, I said I watched my son transform himself into this raven Lunatic. Blame I mean, it on the anime. I mean, psycho. <laughs> I mean, you know, the, the eyes and the, and the fake blood and everything in the air, um, matted hair and all. And, uh, he, uh, that was some, that was some real acting right there because, uh, uh, it re- ended up, it ended up reminding me a lot of, uh, of your mama. Oh, no. <laughs> and, oh, whoa. Yeah. On Tuesday, uh, like on Tuesday nights. A Raven lunatic? Yes, yeah, she on only on Tuesday nights.
3: <laughs> Taco Tuesdays. <laughs> and, yeah, no, she
1: loses it. No, I was just kidding about that. But uh, <laughs> I swear to God, after that performance of Renfield, uh, I did uh, lock my bedroom door at night when he was in the house. Because... Uh, it was uh definitive it was <laughs> it was uh it was very real that was one of the best performances mom always likes your performance in uh, one flew over Cuc- the Cuckoo's nest yeah. i like that one too yeah that was, was good everything you've done is has been pretty good pretty right on <laughs> pretty good actor that's a t-shirt pretty good. pretty good actor um So anyhow, we was talking about screenplays and and stuff. Uh, uh, If the newfanglers ever see the light of day, it'll it'll be because we've sat down and hammered out a screenplay, and that ain't easy. I just started on one, actually, a screenplay, like a a movie thing, you know, and uh, I didn't know what I was doing. I just kind of like looked at some scripts and said, okay, you got to write. Words. Long shot, camera, <laughs> truck in the distance. Yeah. Hauling ass down dirt road, you know. <laughs> and I think
0: I took from that.
1: Didn't you write that in that yellow pad? Yeah. Yeah, I took uh, from I wrote that. A, it seemed like I wrote about six full pages on a legal pad uh, with, of characters back into, you know, character, uh, um, what do you call it? Lines, characters. Talk,
3: dialogue,
1: dialogue. <laughs> <laughs> that's why you only got to page six. <laughs> that's why. I'm, that's why I'm not in the moves. I don't know the right words. Lyrics, dialogue, and uh, the same. So we might have combined some of the elements in in my legal pad with your uh, stage production, right? That you you got uh, going up there at uh, UGA while you were at UGA. But no, your UGA time was not a waste of time. Oh no, I just, know, I uh, know. I was just messing was, around uh, when I said that, but I I realized it. Uh,
0: you know, I had a great time. Yeah. But it just wasn't what I was meant to do. You know. Yeah. I think music is what to be I've a always
1: player and pine box dweller.
3: That's right. Yeah. I mean, I told him that before he left. Mm hmm. And look at what that did. And uh, and your daddy was like, let that boy get an education. <laughs> I did. I said that. Now I said, listen.
1: You, you boys need to lighten up now.
3: Like this. That's all right. He come
1: crawling back. <laughs> yeah.
3: Crawling
0: back to you.
1: But now, not only are you the drummer in Pine Box Dwellers, you're also a uh, library employee yeah yeah i was gonna say a fry cook he's a uh
3: (laughs) not that there's anything wrong with that
1: he (laughs) said he's in the books not milkshakes
0: that's a really good job you know
1: (laughs) you like like the the
0: library oh yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) it's you know it's very chill down
1: there yeah
3: milkshake springs all the connor through the yard I don't know about that. (laughs)
1: Uh, I do. I remember going by there in the 60s, you know, when I was a kid. It was the Okie, well, it was the Waycross Library, I guess is all it was called. And I think it was always called Regional.
3: It it used to be, when you was around, it used to be called Books. (laughs) They didn't come up with Library yet.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You know, uh, another thing that... That uh, we were thrilled to death was in the summertime, was, you know. Summertime, schools out for three months back in the day, and uh, uh, they would always the library offered this service called the bookmobile. Yeah, Do they still people have that? still talk about that. They I don't. mean, they okay. don't. Um, it's it was not, so exciting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like this van, well, it's yeah, oversized it's- truck would come. Bumping down the dirt road, you know. And we'd get excited as if it was some good hum- if it was the ice cream man, Mama you know. Mama, yeah. The books is coming, the books is coming. <laughs> the the bunk <book> is <laughs> coming. You could yeah.
3: them, then you, <laughs> you could scrape up my change. Then you could put mobile at the end of anything. Batmobile, <laughs> book mobile. It was this like, is, wow.
1: this even precedes the batmobiles
3: got one Batmobile. of mobiles. Yeah. <laughs> ice cream mobile.
1: No, but it was great. It it'd roll up and park, you know, right out in front of your house, and you'd walk out there and get on the bookmobile. And next thing you know, you're in Haiti. <laughs> no, no, next thing you know, you you're looking there, and they got. It looks just like a little library inside. There's bookshelves on both sides of the bookmobile, and you get to check out a few and. Then it'll come back White a thing. week later or something like that. You check your new batch out. Was, was there
0: as many James Patterson books back then as there are today?
1: <laughs> yeah, James Patterson was just a gleam in his in the mirror.
3: <laughs> I'm trying to remember what they called this in Memorial Drive. They used to have people would come around uh, I guess all the elementaries and they'd have a book fair or something like that. Oh yeah, yeah. What's thinking about it now? It's probably just people who sell them. Scholastic. Books. Yeah. Scholastic
1: mm-hmm. book yeah. fair. And you'd get these little newspaper sized things. Little catalog. is the, the thing, only it would a- have the
3: picture of White Fang and have a yeah. wolf on like, I want that one. <laughs> <laughs> I, got, yeah. Yeah. I, got, and, I got White Fang and Karate Kid. Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah, and yeah. it would tell you how much they'd cost or how yeah. many.
0: Ar. Now, points, points, tell your mamas, points,
1: Now we didn't have ar back in my day.
0: Tell
3: your mamas, you ain't going to be able to
0: read. Somebody asked me the book. other day. They said, uh, "Do y'all still do ar?" And it's like, uh, "Yeah, it's still around." Accelerated,
1: Accelerated reading. reading. Accelerated reading. Yeah. Yeah. But AR y'all didn't points, have ar. What did y'all have? Points. We just had books. <laughs> we just <had> books. <laughs> Back in my day, they, we just had
3: one book, and we'd gather around. <laughs> and
1: <laughs> well for well, in my day we had stone tablets <laughs> moses
3: come down from the mountain and he said here it is here this is
1: <laughs> cast your eyes upon <laughs> this is worth 10 ar points right here <laughs> y'all get busy This is worth 10 AR points. Don't drop it on your foot. (laughs) Moses, we can't read that. Well, you just
3: have to trust me. (laughs) Don't kill.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, that's the old days. Uh, Well, uh, we've talked a lot about where I grew up, and uh, it was the same road. In fact, it was in the house next door to the one that I grew up that you were born into and raised in for
3: what was she born in the kitchen or the bathroom
1: you were raised <laughs> for three years in that house and, What and uh uh it was on a little tent, a little street called Mount Pleasant Road which was dirt road forever when I was growing up and uh No mountain. I guess by the time you were there, it was paved. And uh, my my uncle Vance renamed it, nicknamed it Dog Hill. So that's where the the Dog Hill references that you hear (laughs) all over these podcasts. It goes back to that road that I grew up on. and, And Connor lived on it from 93 to 96. And then we moved. Did yes, you strangely, ever no, I didn't know you did. y'all. Moving Into know. the two-story. Yeah. Do you remember? Do you have memories strangely, of the house?
0: Strangely, the only thing I remember about that house is when I was in a crib. I don't know how I remember this. What? But I was in the crib. You just made up some dream. Nope. nope. And I remember that air conditioning in the room or the the uh, the ventilation was just loud,
1: yeah, keeping
0: me yeah. up. Yeah, all the time. W- were, was you, it were you or scared? No. You used. I wasn't to, scared. I was just like.
1: I, I think you had a thing about ceiling fans at one time. At one time, yeah, I had a thing about. Y- you were afraid <laughs> of them. A thing I believe
0: about ceiling fans. Were you afraid of them? Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. At one time, you, because you, of, because you, of that commercial, you them
1: wobble wobbles or something. Yeah, or was yeah, that On
0: the commercial, it was on the Braves commercial because uh, <laughs> I remember one time there was a yeah there was that commercial, and. Uh, I think it was about need need to repair a ceiling fan, and it had this uh, ceiling fan that was just <laughs> wow 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 all over the place. And I said, I don't want no part of that. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he ended up calling it wobble wobble oh, wobble, 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 wobble wobble fan.
1: <laughs> oh, well. Phyllis,
0: you've got a wobble wobble fan.
1: <laughs> oh, boy. well, that's. Uh, you know, I don't have a whole lot of memories. I think we've talked about this on other podcasts too, but I don't have a whole lot of memories that predate like three years old. And that's exactly, you were three and a half when we moved from that house. So I can imagine your memories of that old house that we lived in on, on dog Hill are few and far between. Yeah. You don't don't have any real clear, concise memories, but, uh, I'll tell you what, uh, you did a couple of things there that that really impressed the heck out of me. And, uh, one was, uh, your uncle Gary gave you one of these plastic Fisher price drums for Christmas or your birthday one Mm -hmm. time. And I was in a band back in those days, early, mid nineties. And we would record videos of some of the, our sets and you would watch them religiously. You'd sit down there and watch our band performing up there and you'd play along with us and sing along with us and everything. But you had them little red drumsticks and that Fisher price drum and was watching this. And I swear to God, you started doing a double stroke roll when you was about two. It was like, you know, oh, you really? know I was thinking, holy gosh. <laughs> and, <laughs> uh, and then the other thing was you used caught the bug early. Yeah. Oh, I was, I was tickled to death. Um, the other thing was you had this little tiny, well, it was probably about that big synthesizer. <laughs> I was going to and a, up. a little keyboard that would sit in his bedroom uh <laughs> on the floor up against the wall and uh <laughs> and in those days he would walk. he watched a bunch of uh he'd go through phases uh, like Thomas the tank blues clues stuff like that. And then he'd get on a Disney kick, and we had all oh, all the Disney VHS movies: Beauty and the Beast, to the Cinderella, Little Mermaid, Snow White, <laughs> <laughs> all women, all the girl ones, all the girl knows, <laughs> <laughs> Lady and the Tramp, uh, just everything Disney had. Yeah, uh, he would watch them, but he'd get on one, and he'd stay on forever. one forever. Till it was like, oh, God, Connor, come on, man. you know, Pick another one. Yeah. But one time, and you know how Disney, uh, uh, they work a lot of music into their movies and all. So uh, he, he was on to something in one of the Disney movies. Uh, and uh, then he leaves the living room, and we hear him puttering around in the bedroom in there, and he flips that synthesizer on, and sits down and starts playing the exact notes, melody of that Disney song on TV that he was just watching. It's like something like that. And I said, Yes. <clears throat> I did He's that got an ear.
3: I, I was just doing the Star Wars thing. Mm, yeah. I, I remember uh being at one of my mom's friends house and they had a piano I couldn't even see I wasn't even tall enough to see the keys mm-hmm. I'm like doing them like this and I'm like figuring out star wars down yeah
2: and
3: she's like it's all it's only until you
0: hear it until you uh, yeah. get convinced like I know this
3: this ain't that hard <laughs> yeah so, um, oh she got me a used piano after that but I never did learn to play back then they didn't have well, they probably had teachers, but I don't we didn't get one. <laughs>
0: <laughs> they didn't come out to our come, house.
3: They didn't come over to my house.
1: <laughs> <laughs> they didn't have the YouTubes. Yeah. Good old uh childhood stories. You uh, another great story uh that I like to relate is his uh, Connor's love of everything Beatles. Uh, yeah. Well, it, I guess it started (laughs) uh, everything naturally enough. Beetle cereal, Beatles. (laughs) He was, he was born on, uh, July 7th, 1993, which, uh, is July 7th is Ringo Starr's Birthday cosmic cosmic and, uh, and Little Ringo Starr was kind of sickly when he was uh, Little Ringo. He had uh, they called him Little Ringo. He had peritonitis, something, something like that. He, uh, he all he could do was eat baked beans forever. And, uh, <laughs> uh, what a miserable life! You're talking about me. this Little Ringo or the other No Ringo? <laughs> the, the real Ringo, the OG but, Ringo, but Connor had uh, Connor was premature when he was born and spent. That's gringo. And I sixteen weeks in the NICU before we could even bring him home. So he we had a little touch of that. Uh I've had to eat baked beans for the rest of my life. It's no. been hard. Uh, and I've had to ride in the van with him.
0: <laughs> eating baked beans in the passenger seat.
1: Not good. That's not a good combination. A van and baked beans. But uh be rolling
0: the windows when, down quite uh, often
1: when he was in his little NICU uh, incubator and stuff they they would uh, they let us uh, put a little Walkman in there and we could make cassette tapes at home and take them down there and leave them with you you know mm-hmm. during the week when we'd have to come back home and I'd have to go go to work you know it's killed killed your mama. I didn't care all that much you know. <laughs> It was like let's go. <laughs> hadn't you seen him enough the buffet's gonna close <laughs> no <laughs> so we'd make these little cassette tapes and the nurses down there would play them for you while you just laid there you know in your infancy and and uh not knowing that damn thing about the world other than it was dark and you were probably cold hey that's that's today <laughs> the world what, was, what was dark the tapes, and cold. Uh music. Uh
3: I know you can't see me right now and you must be confused. Your your uh, I'm your
1: daddy. You're, Don't you uh, let, No, you listen to my voice. Your brothers, your older brothers and your older sister mm. singing songs and talking and we'd talk and and would and then I'd play a lot of music, play some uh Led Zeppelin. And, now was, uh, now, was that was that yeah was it that was, you was that you or was that that was you huh that was, you. Huh?
0: That, was you? that was you recorded yeah I was okay. making those yeah. yeah yeah
1: but but it always ended with Ringo singing Good Night you know from the White Album the last really? song of the White Album you yeah. know what's crazy the actual
0: you dreamed of that no one time one time we were coming back from a gig we were coming back from a gig. We didn't have any music playing on the radio, uh, or Spotify, or nothing. But "Good Night" by the Beatles was going through my head, just on a loop. Mm -hmm. And uh, right when it got to the chorus in my head, Sean in the front seat started going, "Good (laughs) night." That's how in
3: tune we are. Whoa! I remember.
0: Yeah.
1: Oh, it, it, it. wait a minute, wait a minute. Okay. So that was you going just, through my head. Just,
3: he was playing the song in his head. He wasn't yeah, singing it. We were in silence. you got right
0: to it. I yeah, was, we were in silence. Oh and then Lord Sean man. goes, I'm good fixing night. You, and that was exactly where it was in my head. Died. I'm fixing to drop this mic on the floor. And I said, boy, if that ain't cosmic, if that ain't a that, sign. That's more you than know.
1: cosmic right there. I
0: mean, all the time it shows.
3: He, you'll play one note. Of just just sometimes you know, I don't in even songs. And yeah, you'll be sometimes like, if I play a chord, that's one thing. But sometimes I don't even play a chord. You're like, "Gamblers' eyes." I'm like, "Yep, <laughs> that's yeah. what I was gonna play." Yeah. yeah. It's like, how'd you know
0: that?
1: <laughs> Fishing for wishes. Yes. <laughs> well, that that means that y'all. Uh, we were separated are, at birth. Our brothers. <laughs> y'all are brothers of band brothers of the road you can that's probably the way the beatles felt you know paul and john you know <laughs> they probably were that in tune well, they had to be the four of them were so in tune to one another because of what they lived through in that yeah. bubble you know that s- self-imposed bubble well. <laughs> they would have died if they hadn't have self-imposed In that bubble, Mm -hmm. Uh, they would have been torn to shreds by fans.
3: Mm -hmm. You
1: know.
3: What's funny is I would never would have thought. Mean you would be this tight in a band and them playing music and mentally connected when you were this big, and I was working at Cross Town Music. Yeah, and I was saying, "Hey Connor, high five! Hey (laughs) Mister Sean, hey (laughs) Mister Sean!" yeah yeah it's crazy the
0: <laughs> first memory i have of you was um i think we were in little nights or somewhere where you were playing mm-hmm. dad and uh sean you were sitting at the same table as i was and you were just doing these uh little wavy hand motions uh, and yeah, everything this
3: and, the uh two finger deal yeah i don't know
0: what you were doing but i was just that's my little bait. kid go-to like, <laughs> i was like whoa what is that like a little cat or something like that.
3: taking my thumb off and stuff
0: not all that,
3: you know. But this is a bird.
0: <laughs>
3: I'm go, like, Ooh. go tell your mama this is a bird. <laughs> mama, oh, <man>. look.
0: <laughs> Mister Sean told me that's a bird. <laughs> Sean. Yeah.
1: Well, uh, when when we last, I guess you would have been about four or five. We went on vacation and left him home, <laughs> all alone, <laughs> to, to had a good time. And some crooks try to. Back Orlando, him. and uh, when we left Waycross, uh, headed to Orlando, I took "Meet the Beatles," the very first, well, the very first Beatles album that they recorded was "Please Please Me." Yeah, right but you said meet first, the beatles which meet was... the beatles was the capital the american mm-hmm. first album anyhow the the first beatles album put it in the uh the uh Season cd player. player and you were strapped we had a van so it was <laughs> me driving mom over here and you in the very back, back strapped uh, in the middle of that sofa seat in the back of the van strapped in a car seat right in the middle just looking around, you know, not bored at all. You's a good traveler. You know, we'd be riding by acres and acres of cows and desolate, desolation row. And you'd be out there just looking at it, you know, you know, most kids would be screaming and bloody murder by after 30 minutes, but you were fine. And you were rocking out to the Beatles. And, uh, so, you heard them all the way to Disney world. And then we spent three or four days down there, you know, back to, to the theme parks, motel theme parks, motel. And you'd hear maybe a half of a song, you know, and then you'd get out and go to the theme park all day, Mm -hmm. get back in, you'd hear the rest of the song. Mm -hmm. So it slowed way down. And then we headed back home and picked up, the long playing albums again. But when we got to Jacksonville, it was right at the beginning of Sergeant Pepper's. That's when everything albums. And, uh, we just got through Jacksonville and, and the song was, uh, Lucy in the sky with diamonds. And as soon as it ended, Connor's little voice in the back of the van says,
2: play it again.
1: <laughs> and so I said, Yeah, I'll do that for my boy. He likes the Beatles. All right. (laughs) So, and it was like, after about 30 minutes later, it was
3: one more, (laughs) one more time.
0: Three
1: hours later. Three hours later, it was, and I finally, I said, son. Enough's enough. (laughs) I'll make you a tape with nothing but Lucy and Sky with diamonds on when we get home. But But we we got to move on. We
0: got to get better than this. And it just
1: so (laughs) happened. And uh, my last Beatles story is another uh, uh, Orlando thing. We went to Old Town in Orlando, and you were probably about seven, maybe six or seven at that time. And uh, we (laughs) were. We were in in this uh, kind of restaurant slash bar in in Old Town, mm-hmm. and uh, they had uh, karaoke in the middle of the day. And this guy's up there, and, and uh, Connor runs. Dad, can I go sing? Uh, come together. <laughs> I said sure, and he this little kid runs through through the across the dance floor and up to the stage and puts in his request, and the guy's uh, kind of looking at him suspiciously like, oh, great, another kid, you know? And uh, so he kind of announces him, you know, like this little kid is going to sing Come Together by uh, the Beatles now. And uh, he starts up (laughs) music and everything. And Connor's up there just kind of dancing on one foot back and two like this, holding that mic. Slapping his leg. And and the vocals comes in, and uh, he's perfect pitch, you know, uh, because he's got that ear. I don't think so. uh, And uh, although it it sounded about as high as Shirley Temple, you know, did, but uh, you don't expect, you know, you – you expect something like uh, expect, Disney Channel music or something. You, with, you're expecting John Lennon to come out, you know, but uh, it's you know John what? Lennon on helium. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, but everybody in that place just like they yanked their heads yanked around like whiplash and, uh, and they were getting into it. And when he finished, he came running back to the table and just, Continue
0: life as normal.
1: All happy. You was quite full of yourself. Of course, we we were all saying, man, that was great. Which it was, you know. We're proud of you. You And we were standing over by the bar right after that happened. And I saw the biggest biker-looking dude. And he was walking, I'm even talking about tall, round, Long black curly hair, uh, uh, uh kind of like a wife beater t shirt on, you know, spider tattooed, tattooed beard, on beard his forehead, mustache, and beard, you know. And he, he looked like a wrestler yeah. and, uh, huge, you know, just built guy. And he was looking at me and Connor and his mom and walking straight towards us, you know. And I was thinking, oh, hell, what have we done now? Not a Beatles fan, eh? (laughs) huh? I don't know. I don't know what I did. I couldn't do anything. I might have just kind of took one step forward in front of y'all, you know, and and just kept looking at him, you know. But he got right up to us. And then he looked down at you because you were way down here. He looked down at you and he said, man, me, you. And Connor was just like grinning at him, you know, and he pulled up his the sleeve of his T-shirt and there was this huge tattoo of the earth with a banner around it said, imagine, you know, the John Lennon song. Oh, wow. He, so he was a huge... Beatles fan but Mm. (laughs) that was a uh, nice moment it could have been bad that's exactly how I stare bad
0: situations I just grin them off Mm -hmm. (laughs) and eventually they turn out good
3: Yeah. come on Bobby I think something's wrong with the boy
2: (laughs) he's smiling too much
3: he don't even know you're about to beat his ass come on (laughs) 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 oh
1: man so let's take a break something like that
3: let's take a short break and come back and talk some more
1: be right back
2: something in my brain won't let me stray something in my veins gonna find its way something in the water taught me how
1: Hey folks, welcome back again, uh, Sean Clark, Uncle Dave Griffin, and our guest this week is my son, Connor Griffin. Um, well, I don't know how many of you know this, but, uh, probably a good many of our watchers do is that, uh, I've been putting on a couple of music festivals here in Waycross, Georgia for a long time, um. The uh, annual Grand Parsons Guitar Pool and Tribute Festival, uh, we always have that around the, uh, the end of September every year. But last year, we were unable to do it because of the pandemic. You probably heard about that, too. <laughs> um, we had to cancel the uh, live music festival. Uh, we ended up pulling off a virtual Grand Parsons Guitar Pool uh, right here in this very room. Caution Light Media Studios, and uh, it was a tremendous success. Uh, but the the second festival that actually spun out of the Grand Parsons thing uh, eleven years ago was uh, called the Swamp Town Get Down Music and Arts Festival. And it's a little more eclectic blend of of uh, music than the Grand Parsons guitar pool is uh we offer music ranging in style from uh uh indie music uh bluegrass americana jam band country uh just a uh, uh, reggae just a little bit of everything and uh uh we had we were able to do it last year. Typically we have it in mid March. So we we were the last festival before the pandemic shut down. And uh and I remember a lot of pe- people uh coming to us afterwards very grateful that for that opportunity, you know, to to dance barefooted one last time before they shut us down.
3: It was a good send off of yeah, it, was,
1: yeah. Definitely. So here we are a year later and uh I didn't think that we were gonna have Swamp Town get down either because uh twenty twenty was a bad year for us all. It was particularly bad for me. It tried to kill me. <laughs> I almost I almost uh I I suffered through a heart attack, uh stint. Um, COVID me and Connor both caught COVID in December. Um, I had uh, a little thing on my thyroid that, uh, they thought could have may have been uh cancerous, but it ended up being not. So everything worked out great, but it's, it's sure put me through the, uh, put me through the beater. And it was long about the time that I caught COVID in December that I just said I'm done. I am not looking forward to putting on a festival in March. So I put a little uh, uh, a little message on uh, on on the uh, out to all my staff members uh, indicating that uh, I was. Uh, against doing the festival. And and, uh, they thought better of it. About a couple of weeks ago, we had a staff meeting and uh, decided that uh, following the protocols of uh, Live Oak, Spirit of the Swanee Music Park, they hold a lot of festivals down in uh, North Florida. Uh, We followed their plan of action with COVID protocols, and uh, we are actually going ahead with our Swamptown Get Down Music and Arts Festival this year, and the dates have been slid back just a little bit. We'll be doing ours March 26th and 27th at the Okefenokee Fairgrounds in Waycross, Georgia.
3: It'll be good.
1: Mm. These guys will be playing along with uh, a lot of the other regulars and uh, some uh,
3: great lineups
1: great lineup mm-hmm. of uh, of groups and i think we'll have a little flyer that you can look at right here mm-hmm. check out it. everything you can go to stgdfest.com and uh purchase tickets things will be done a little bit different this go around because of the pandemic we're we're going to strive to be socially distanced as an audience it it won't be uh we, we won't be rounding you up like cattle and pens or anything. It'll be wide open like it always is. We'll just have these zones marked off in the grass where you and your your five friends will be in this area. Then there'll be a nice space before the next six friends and so forth and so on. And there'll be a limited number of uh, spaces available in the audience. We will have RV camping, tent camping, The vendors, everything will remain the same as far as our past music festivals, except we're in the middle of a pandemic. we got to be a little social distance, practice that, Uh, wear the mask when you're outside of your safe zone, when you go to the bathroom, when you go to the vendors row, uh, and wash your hands. Mm -hmm. That's all we got to do. And y'all, what are y'all going to do? Do you going to sing with your mask on? Hazmat suits. <laughs> you who is it, Flaming yeah. Lips, they got yeah, bubbles. The, the bubbles, yeah. <laughs> they got bubbles and Yeah. Them, which is very cool. No,
3: we we won't be wearing no mask and singing. That's right. <laughs> but uh I I went how you're talking about having everybody squared off. Mm-hmm. Um me and the wife. I took her on her birthday to charleston yeah. and um to see shovels and rope and it was like that and we had a great time and it was pretty cool it didn't seem even though we were sectioned off it didn't well i think like,
1: the you know, the desire that, uh, that everybody is so cabin fever you could you know, feel even though we were up, separated
3: like, you could feel the love yeah like yeah. yeah we're actually getting to do this mm-hmm. True.
1: well i think that's going to win out in this i hope so anyhow but right. I'd like to invite everybody to go online, check it out. And if it's something that you, if you're ready to get your, your, your feet into some grass again, and, uh, with some live music in front of you, uh, Swamptown get down music and arts festival in Waycross, Georgia, March 26th and 27th of this year. Well, folks, it's time once again for the tale of the week from uncle Dave Griffin and, uh,
3: You can get it from oh
1: well yeah you can order it from uh, uh, <laughs> just oh by the way we've got an email now that you can correspond with our podcast here it's called something in the water podcast at gmail.com so just shoot us a little email if you want to order a book or what have you uh, if you
3: have anything you want to tell or us or comments, uh, ask us questions or,
1: yeah yeah um this week's Tale of the Week is not in the book, but bonus. Yeah. It's uh <laughs> kind of uh we're cutting this, we're recording this in uh the second week of February, which lines up with my tale of the week. In the wee hours of a January morning in 1993, I was on the job at the Waycross Post Office, sorting magazines for delivery. I happened on one periodical, scanned through its pages, and my eyes fell on a colorful, cleavaged cartoon Cajun queen, advertising the fun and festivity that lay in store for me at Mardi Gras in New Orleans. Now, I'd always heard about Mardi Gras, the beads, the baubles, the beignets, the boobs, the evil streets, the drinking, the sin, the debauchery. What's not to like about it? So with a few days of saved-up annual leave, I convinced my girlfriend, Lynn, and our married friends, Karen Sunshine and Mike Woodard, to head for Louisiana, We struck out at about 1 a.m. on Saturday, February 13th, in my customized Ford Econoline van, arriving in New Orleans at about 11 in the morning. Our motel rooms weren't available yet, so we headed out a long, bayou-lined highway in search of food. The restaurant we settled on was a low-slung eatery, not too high on class. Perfect for the traveling South Georgians from the Okefenokee Swamp. We ordered crawfish and long neck beers. And in a matter of minutes, the waitress came out wielding a tray with a mountain of crawfish piled so high show dog couldn't jump over it. (laughs) She must have noticed our amateurish attempts as we dug in and politely instructed us to honey, pinch the tails and suck the heads. We hadn't been in New but a couple hours, but we were right comfortable and made quick work of those delicious little crustaceous mud bugs and Budweiser's. As we yielded to the atmosphere of of our new home, we spent our time club hopping down Bourbon Street in the French Quarter night, having early morning breakfast beignets as a black saxophonist serenaded on a nearby street corner and taking a paddle-wheel riverboat ride up and back down the Mississippi. It was the Mardi Gras parades that were ceremoniously enchanting. Each evening of every night, there was a parade that could be found in the outlying parishes surrounding New Orleans. Costumed crew members aboard lavishly decorated floats tossed out prized trinkets medallions, plastic shot glasses, gold doubloons, and colorful beads. I soon came to realize that the currency of Bourbon Street during Mardi Gras were those colorful strands of beads. All the guys scrapped and scraped at the parades to get as many as they could. The girls, they had to do but one thing and one thing only to get them from the guys. Let's just say my beads were gone with a flash. (laughs) <laughs> we happened to be in new Orleans a full week before the intense revelry of the grand finale that they call fat Tuesday. There was plenty going on, but it was a far cry from what would come a week later. All in all, I think I saw 17 breasts during our stay. And if you go in by my drunken double vision, then I reckon there was only eight and a half breasts. <laughs> So, Metairie, Louisiana, is a short 15-minute shot from New Orleans. And I knew we had to make a trip there, to the Garden of Memory Cemetery, where a former Waycross Georgia boy lay buried. Ingram Cecil Conner III, known to the world as Graham Parsons, the musician who pioneered the sound of cosmic American music by merging rock and country genres in the late 60s passed away on September 19th, 1973. In a story known far and wide, Parsons Coffin was snatched by his former road manager, Phil Kaufman, and taken to Joshua Tree Desert for a ceremonious cremation, thus satisfying GP's last wishes. The cremation was aborted, the body recovered and properly buried in a sad grave, located off Airline Highway in Metairie, Louisiana, exceeding to the wishes of Graham's stepfather, Robert Parsons. The original plot marker was simply a round stone disc with the words God's Own Singer etched around the edges. That's the, that's the one that, uh, that we saw when we were out there in 93. God's Own Singer was a song written by former Eagle and flying burrito brother, Bernie Leden, and was hardly a proper epitaph for Graham Parsons who had left behind a prominent body of songs himself. More recently, the graveside has been appropriately adorned with a bar relief portrait of Parsons holding his guitar in the inscription below a verse from in my hour of darkness, one of his own songs. After a few four days, our visit to New Orleans and Mardi Gras finally came to an end. We loaded up in the Econoline van and headed wearily east to Waycross. Mike Woodard gamely took the wheel as his wife Karen, Lynn, and I all passed out in the back of the van with Neil Young in the CD player rocking us to sleep. To this day, if asked who some of his musical heroes are, Mike Woodard will coldly tell you, it sure as hell ain't Neil Young. <laughs> Not knowing how to eject Neil's nasal singing from the dashboard and being the gentleman that he is, poor old Mike just kept driving down I-10, listening to Harvest over and over and over and over and over <laughs> And over again,
3: it's <laughs> a good one. I imagine,
1: mm-hmm. uh, Mike. If you ask Mike, how far is it from from uh, Waycross to New Orleans? Instead of miles, he'll probably tell you about three hundred and seventy-two uh, cycles of harvest. Harvest. <laughs> <laughs> if you listen to Harvest from beginning to end, nine hundred and three times Whew. and you'll be in new orleans
3: then all three of us ended up recording where harvard what what now, recorded mm-hmm. house, oh, of it, uh,
1: house of david mm-hmm. in in uh, nashville. nashville
3: full circle That's right.
1: that you know, was pine N- box dwellers mm-hmm. cd right
0: mm-hmm. this morning i was listening to uh harvest moon at the library and just unknowingly just started going through my head so I don't think that was on. At the, at heart, the same the time, album, I started singing. But, it. <coughs> huh?
3: At the same time, I was in my in my kitchen in my underwear, and I started singing it. <laughs>
1: um, yeah. Um, Pine box dwellers recorded in uh, David Pastor uh, David recordings. House to of you? David. Uh, um, oh, what was it, Neil Young's Elliot uh, Roberts? Was one of the co owners of it, and that was Neil Young's manager or producer, one David Briggs. David Studio. Briggs, that's mm-hmm. right, yeah. And uh, y'all were up there, these must have been seven years ago or so, uh, yeah. six, five. It three, was three, four. You're kidding
3: 2016? me. Yeah. yeah, 2015 or 2016. Yeah,
1: I went with them, so I had to do Yeah, years, five years, yeah, shit. Y'all had already done most of the work when I went I went up there to do some harmony singing, mm-hmm. but it's a great old studio. It used to be Quadraphonic Studios in Nashville back in the day, back in the early seventies. And that's where Neil Young recorded Heart of Gold. And maybe not after the Gold Rush, he recorded that in, at his home the whole album harvest wasn't recorded there harvest mm-hmm. harvest yeah not heart of gold harvest For heart Reco- of gold's own harvest yeah mm-hmm. i meant to say the album then Har- harvest yeah, they got and
3: they had the tape machine
1: yeah the original we didn't record on that but no but it was sitting it was in there, there. It i was got to touch there. it
3: <laughs> get some of that mojo on me
1: that was pretty cool so this Speaking of the three of us, like we said earlier, be on the lookout. We're in the process of recording uh, an album of originals written by some combination of all three of us. And uh, it'll be entitled Waycross Stagecoach. Rolling into a
3: corral near you.
1: (laughs) Folks, I want to thank you all for listening again. Be sure to uh like us, uh subscribe to us. Like me. Rate and review <laughs> us and shoot us an email. Yeah. To talk about whatever you want to talk about. Uh uh if we get enough uh response from the emails at uh something in the water podcast at gmail dot com. If we get enough response there, we'll uh read some out over the uh over the over air. the air. Over the air. Mm-hmm. So and we accept uh, Meals Or Anything You want to send us <laughs> Send us some Some uh, T-shirts T-shirts Some Underwear Or uh, <laughs> um, Hats Booze um, Boobs <laughs> Food Somebody's boob in And well. Lava lamps Peace
2: when it